Welcome, bienvenidos, and thanks for joining me on the Talking 21 podcast, the official podcast dedicated to the extraordinary life and legacy of the legendary 21, Roberto Clemente Walker. Today we have a special guest and a longtime friend who I met in 2002 in Puerto Rico. He is the middle son of the great one, and he is our episode eight guest, Luis Roberto Clemente. As the second of three boys who was born in 1966, Luis's family name Clemente has been synonymous with baseball royalty throughout the world. Although their adopted home of Pittsburgh played a huge part in their formative years, Luis's legendary father insisted his beloved children would be born in Puerto Rico. Although he was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates and played in their instructional league, an unfortunate shoulder injury would curtail Luis's brief baseball career. He decided he would go back to school and graduate from the University of Puerto Rico. While employed in the States, in the airline industry, 25 years ago, he decided to move back to Puerto Rico. Along with his family, he has committed himself to the family business as the president of 21 and Right, the marketing licensing company owned by the family, which retains the rights to the family name likeness of his father. Along with that position also came his responsibility to work side by side with his late mother on the challenging task and operating Roberto Clemente Sports City in Puerto Rico. To this day, his ambitious plans have not been easy, but with the same determination and tenacity of his late parents, he is committed to seeing his father's and mother's extraordinary project come to fruition. With the relaunch of Roberto Clemente Foundation, Luis, along with his brothers, Roberto Jr., Enrique, the board of directors, and a dedicated group of volunteers, Luis Roberto continues to travel the globe, representing his late parents at commemorative tributes, ceremonies, and annually at Major League Baseball's Roberto Clemente Award presentation during the World Series. Although this year's 2020 recipient will be announced virtually on December 7th, the proud winner surely will be honored to receive this prestigious award, knowing his philanthropic efforts are being recognized. And as Luis Roberto proudly said at last year's Roberto Clemente Award presentation press conference, I am very proud to be Roberto's son, but I am extremely fortunate to be Vera's son as well. Well, firstly, Luis, thank you so very much on being a part of this Talking 21 podcast. And as you know, this isn't episode 21, although that would have been pretty cool. But yet this is already episode eight, and there was no question, Luis, in my mind, you were going to be a guest. You're a Clemente. And of course, you're the second child of Roberto and Doña Vera. You know, Luis, we've known each other for close to 20 years, and, and I mean absolutely no one. I mean, Pete, no one knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. But my first question, and I'll use this acronym, and I just came up with it, actually, GUC. Growing Up Clemente. Can you please share with our Talking 21 listeners, what has that been like for Luis Roberto Clemente? Well, Danny, uh, great, great to be a part of the, the podcast and everything. And uh, it's, it's quite a life to live when you have 
to, you know, both of your parents to be so incredible, to do such amazing things. And, and you grow up learning, you know, the, what is true love for humanity, for people. And, and then, you know, the big shocker, you know, that, uh, that takes a long time for you to realize and truly digest what happened. Uh, even the fact that, you know, that was during his seasons, right? He was in the States and he was so proud of being Puerto Rican. He wanted to make sure that mom would give birth to us, three, all three of us here in Puerto Rico. And, um, and so we, I was born and raised here, you know, and, and, uh, with time I was used to not seeing dad all throughout the year, you know, but then, uh, after things happen, you know, you start missing and, and then realizing what's your role in, in, in this family, in this very special family, what's, you know, what, whatever you decide to do, it's not an obligation because I always say people have, you know, choices and how to, to live and how to want to be engaged. If you think of other baseball families, I don't think that many have done what we've done. It's been an interesting life. I wouldn't change it for anything. Uh, but I think the balance, the most important thing is how we've kept the balance between the greatness, being the son of the great one, and then having that much more humbleness to kind of like balance it out and not let it get to your head and not think that you're it, that, and not think you're walking water, even though you see the reaction of people uh, when they approach you and they want to hug you and they, they, they shake your hand and you see how they choke and you see how tears come down their eyes and they want to speak, but they can't, um, you know, that powerful is what the legacy that that left us. So then, you know, how do you handle it? How, what do you do with it? You know, Luis, you mentioned a couple of words there, but I want to kind of piggyback on the nickname that your father had, which was the great one. But you're also talking about embracing the greatness of that legacy and what your role Luis Roberto Clemente's role now in 2020, and for so many people, Luis, that are drawn to you because of your connection to your father, but I like to always say the connection of a father and a mother, to have both parents. But Luis, was there ever, and I'm sure there has been, where times throughout all of these years, since your dad's untimely death, where someone who knew your dad, very close, that he would say, Luis, Luisito, this is exactly what your father would have done. This is exactly what your father would have said. All throughout my childhood, you know, even mom would say, you know what, that's exactly how your father approached things. You know, you have the same character. You, you know, I, my writing is even very close to his. I, I, would, I would see something and I would immediately recognize it. And I remember when we were in the, the All-Star game, when you told me, hey, Luis, you can't leave until I give something to you. This was the All-Star game at City Field, I believe it was like- 2013. 2013, and uh, I remember we spoke several times and then you told me, hey, I have something I have to give you. You can't leave without seeing me because I need to give you this. And um, when you handed me, it was on a uh, transparent uh, um, film, right? 
Um, and it was a document handwritten by dad. And immediately I recognized his handwriting. When I, when I started reading what it was, my hair stood on end because it was dad organizing an awards, a sports awards ceremony. And within what he had, I was already working exactly on the same project without knowing he ever had that idea. So, you know, that's, that's why I say I don't do things to continue, necessarily to continue what he started. I, I do what I feel I need to do. And I get confirmations later on down, you know, down the road, uh, down the line. And to give you another idea of how things happen, I was watching 62, was it? Mickey Mallon, Roger Maris? Yeah, well, I, the, there was a scene I was watching, and all of a sudden, I don't know why, I break and I start crying. But I'm telling you, crying like deeply with sorrow. And I'm like, what is going on? I stood up, I went to the bathroom, I washed my face, I looked myself in the mirror, but I realized the way I was crying was how I used to cry when I was just a little kid and realized I would never see dad again. And I truly, truly missed him. I truly wanted to see him. And I went upstairs to my, my home office, sat down from A to Z. It's when um, it was given to me, this concept of the tour that I am actually executing now. Um, it was given to me that day, you know, and I don't even question it. It's like, okay, I understand this is what it is. And it may take a long time. It may take, you know, uh, years or whatever, but this is what I need to focus on. And this is what I'm doing pretty much. So, you know, there's, there's many ways that I have that connection. And once again, I'm, I'm not doing things, I'm doing what I feel I need to do. And, um, and, and picked up obviously the projects that they had started and everything, but doing it the way I understand is, is the right way to do it. You know, Louise, you talked about crying. And certainly both of us are parents. Both of us uh, love our children. I have two daughters, 26 years of age. I can't even believe it. 24 years of age, respectively. And you have three boys. Interesting enough that your parents actually had three boys as well. And their names are Luis Jr., Robbie, and Bobby. And I'm sure our listeners are not surprised at all that those are the names of your children. But as a father, we have literally lived our lives for our children. They are an extension of our lives between your wife, my wife, but something, Luis, and I bet there was a lot of tears and I could not even wanna be in your shoes at that moment about what happened to Luis Roberto Clemente Jr. Uh, a number of years ago that you shared with me and for our Talking 21 listeners, um, a traumatic experience, but I really would appreciate, Luis, if you could kind of put us in, in your shoes just for a moment, because we obviously know it ended on a positive note, but please, Luis, if you could share with our listeners. Well, imagine Luis Jr. was born the 7th of January, is the day after Three Kings Day. We were celebrating Bobby's birthday and we were at the beach. Luis was 17. 
And he he had just turned 17 in you know the previous month. Two days later, I found myself you know taking him to the hospital. I saw how his health deteriorated like like really quick. When they were bringing him, they had no idea what he had after he was on the evaluation room and whatnot. The nurse that was assisting him was a, a guy. Uh, he stood him up and he says, "Dad, but why do you want to move me? I don't feel well." And when he when they stood him up, he took two steps. He literally threw up on the guy, the nurse. But then I saw him kind of like had a seizure. So his head went like backwards and kind of like flipping. And I grab him before he hit the ground. I carry him and I put him on the stretcher. And then I, I opened his eye with my fingers and I saw that it was all white. And I said, Luis, tell me what's going on? What, what, what's happening? And he said, um, the beach is, remember, it was at the beach, you know, he says, like, the beaches that are showing me, uh, like La Posita, which is like the pond. And boom, that was it. He, he went out, totally knocked out. And then when he came back, it was not him. And he was just, like, having all this jerky movement. Mind you, imagine how many children's hospitals we visit. And, and, you know, we talk to the parents, we thank the doctors, we thank the hospital for what they do. And now I become one of those parents who has their son in a situation that they were not securing him. You know, they would not say, finally, when they found out what it was, it was the worst type of meningitis. And it was due to a bacteria uh, uh, caught, you know, in the water, in the ocean and whatnot. And, um, So fortunately enough, you know, I would, every single day that I would go see him, he was, they had to tie him to the bed, uh, his feet and and both hands. And he he was, have really bad tremors. So every time I would, I would be there, I would have my hand to his chest. And I'm telling you, for those who are listening, the power of the love that a parent transmit to a son or daughter is so, I mean, there's nothing that compares the prayers and everything, but in particular, what you transmit to your sons by touching, by having them understand that you're there, even though they're, if they're unconscious, it don't matter. Every time he would start trembling, I would apply more pressure to his chest. And I would always tell him, Luis, I'm always here. And I would tell him what was happening. I would tell him, you have a really bad case of meningitis. You know, uh, your body is shaking because it's fighting it. You have to be strong. And I would always talk to him and say, if you, ever, if you wake up from this and you don't see me, it's because I had to step out, but I will, I'm always here. I'll, I'll be back. And uh, we were playing. I remember uh, Bob Marley, don't worry about a thing. Is every little thing going to be all right? Um, Wow, man, Th- those times were, I-, I can't even, just the thought of, of the chance of losing one of my sons is unbearable. You know, I, I can't even explain any, that feeling. It's no parent, you have to go through that, no parent. 
And, and, and finally, you know, one day the nurse says, oh, I remember him kind of like coming back. And he, all of a sudden he kind of like looks at uh, his hands. He's all tied up and he wanted to say something. He couldn't. And boom, he goes back, knocked out again. My biggest concern was the time that went by without him receiving any medication because they didn't know what it was. So they could not provide any medication, you know. And, and then I was worried and concerned about the damage he would have, you know, the permanent damage. And the doctors said, you know what? From this, people have become deaf, mute, um, blind. They've lost extremities. Uh, I mean, extremities. Um, and, and basically, and they have even died. Right now, any of the above is possible. So that's not a good you know, good thing to hear from a doctor. But finally, thank God, with all the prayers and everything, uh, he came out of it. I took him to uh, a neurologist. He says, you brought it to me once. You don't have to bring it again. Thank God you moved quickly. You brought him when you needed to. Um, and he did not penetrate the, mem the brain membrane. So he's good. Um, so thank God, you know, but but that was quite a moment. Uh, I have to thank San Jorge Children's Hospital always for that. Mom was a a board member uh, to her last day of uh, San Jorge Children's. And, um, but that experience, I'll never forget it. I tell them, you have to thank God all along, all the time, because, you know, it was a very close call. You know, Luis, um, as a parent, I'm looking at your face right now. I'm hearing it in your voice. And certainly I immediately thought, Luis, that here it is in 2020 and so many, so many lives have been lost now, Luis, because of this coronavirus, that here it is, Luis, you were touching your son, but the millions who cannot enter a hospital to be there with their loved ones. So, Luis, you did something rather interesting that I am not on Facebook, uh, but someone told me, Danny, you got to see what Luis posted on Facebook. So here it is. You know, the United States, Puerto Rico, and literally our entire planet has been affected in so many ways, from global warming to civil unrest, you know, bickering between politicians. And of course, this global pandemic that has affected and killed millions. Now, at the height of the pandemic, Luis, you shared some powerful words. And I want to provide for our listeners and give an opportunity for our listeners to hear an excerpt, if I may. And these were your words. These are moments that have arrived with little warning and without reason. I thought that all this would have a prompt solution. Curiously, the planet recovers as we come into balance. We do not generate pollutants that cause other species to remain distant. We already started to think about calculating our acts in the courtyards and the spaces that we start to sow. Take advantage of this time. Thank the blessings that these moments gives us. Luis, please share from your own recollections of when you went on that computer and you typed and posted on Facebook. And that's just an excerpt. And I'm sure if anyone that follows you is one of our listeners, but anyone who wants to go to Luis's page, I'm certain they could see the entire post. So please, Luis, for our listeners, how did that come to be? I was, I was truly evaluating the circumstances and I saw how quickly 
Mother Nature recovered by us not being outside. I became inspired and said, you know what? We need to, to kind of like look at things in a different perspective. And, and the fact that we are here, the fact that we are experiencing this totally, you know, different and, and, and harsh moments, right? But still, you know, historical in his own right moment. This is going to be spoken about for the rest of the eternity. And we, we had the opportunity to be here and live it and live through it. Unfortunately, a lot of people have died and more will because it hasn't been really taken in, in you know, the right perspective. And I feel that here's, here's what I, I truly, Daddy, I truly believe, truly after this whole experience, and this is why I became inspired in writing this, I said, imagine if the way, the same way there's deductions from salaries that, that are done for different things, right? Imagine if part of the salaries are deducted to account for one month worth of pay, one month. And yearly, we take that one month United, everyone, the same month, could be the same month, and do this exactly the same, a lockdown. But it's to recoup, to not, to, the, you know, digress and not to have the stress to wake up early in the morning, you have to go to your job to do all this. And for you to have that month that is already secured, is already paid for, but for you to stay in and give Mother Nation, Mother Nature, you know, a chance to recover from us, you know? And then at the same time, we'll have that month to take that break. It's not vacation. It's not a vacation. It's literally, is a month to recoup from the stress, from, from you know, all these different things that, that cause so many uh, diseases and, and whatnot. You know, you're at home and you're secure because psychologically you're not going to be affected because your pay is there is already accounted for, you know? But imagine how, how great we're giving, you know, we talk about the global warming and all that. Well, hey, I think that would be an incredible solution to give Mother Nation a break. So you, you saw Venice, you know, how quickly did that, did that clear? The water's cleared, you know? You saw fish coming through, you know, Venice, and then you have all the different, in Japan, you know, uh, uh, the, the skies you were able to see, you know, China, you were able to see China, you know, all the pollutants, everything. And, and, and interesting, Luis, that was documented by satellite shots to say that here it is, that car travel is not in this particular area of the world. And you're seeing that we're literally doing exactly what you're telling us to do to let Mother Nature re-energize. You know, Luis, this year marks the 50th anniversary of Roberto Clemente Day in Pittsburgh at Three Rivers Stadium. And our last guest, uh, Robert Miller, shared with us his recollections of being there and experiencing it as a 10-year-old from how he was able to describe and re recall your dad, the emotion, the cheering from the crowd. Uh, can you share with our listeners, Luis, because certainly you were there with your brothers, with your grandparents and your mom. Could uh, you share with the listeners any particular recollections or memories from that day? You know, I remember many things from a very young age. And I remember 
you know, being there and looking at the table full of trophies and plaques and many different things. And um, I also remember being very impressed by the by the statue that was there. Um, that it was yeah, there was a life size life size statue of your dad. Exactly. Like I, w- I will get confused at times, you know, looking at wait, you know, um, and I remember, you know, if you see pictures of that time, you will see I always had a very serious look, you know, very intense, like my frowning and, and just looking. Um, sometimes Ricky Roberto will be, you know, a normal kid, you know, but I was always, always looking around. And I felt, you know, fortunately when mom passed and I started looking at some pictures, I realized, I said, you know what? I didn't have a childhood. I, I, I was always looking out for the family. I was always looking out, you know, what's happening in the surroundings. And, and um, I realized that, you know, by looking at, at the pictures and that day, I remember, I remember when Roberto Jr. went and kissed the picture. I've always looked at that moment, Luis, of that image, almost like when JFK was saluting uh, his father at the uh, funeral procession. So seeing that picture of Roberto Jr. kissing the image of your dad, it was, uh, it was a powerful moment. And one of those, I would love to have uh, had the opportunity to speak to the photographer who took that shot. Yeah, everyone says the same exact thing. You know, it reminds them of exactly that, that what you described, you know, Jeff Kennedy Jr. saluting, you know, his father. Um, uh, yeah, there, there, there's so many. There's so many instances where, where we participated in in ceremonies, events. Let's go now to my home turf, New York City, Shea Stadium. Which, interesting enough, Luis, even for the Mets to have allowed it, a Roberto Clemente Day that was sponsored by a station that still exists, Radio Wado. There is actually even a button that says Roberto Clemente Day. Radio Wado, September of 1971, which I love anniversaries. We're coming up on that 50th anniversary. You're there with your mom. I believe your grandparents were there as well. You're there in uh, the box seats by the first baseline. So please, uh, if there's any recollections of that day as well, because that's the following uh, year. Any recollections of that day with uh, your dad and that pregame ceremony? Oh, I mean, the same. I, I, I remember just staring and looking and taking in everything and trying to, to, to make sense of, of a lot of the stuff that I was seeing and, and looking at, you know, and, and I, the, one of my favorite pictures is the one with all three of us with dad uh, in uniform where he's carrying Ricky on his left. Beautiful arm, picture, Roberto beautiful picture. And, I'm, and he's got me on his right hand. To me, that has a very powerful meaning. That I'm his, I'm his right arm, you know, and uh, and there's there's I guess a, a series of of several pictures of that particular pose, and the one he's looking and smiling is looking at me, you know. There's one that's looking straight forward, but then there's one where he's just looking at me and smiling. That is my favorite picture. I mean, because of what it represents. I mean, his right arm, you know, so I, I feel that. I, I, I have kept things moving, you know, going. Listening to him interviews, you have no idea the effect it has had on me where all of a sudden you hear your father saying, I want for my kids when they grow up to 
not be, you know, rich or millionaires. You know, I want them to suffer. I want them to understand the true meaning of life. You know, imagine that. And, and he's not there to explain what he meant by that. But then you're growing up and you hear his words and you're saying, oh, my God, wait a second. What, what type of parent would want for their sons to suffer? You know, so, so you're dealing with all of that uh, and, and you're trying to, to make sense out of it. But then again, you have the utmost respect that anything that he desired, then you try to, you, you try to abide by, you know, and, and, um, and that's a period in my life where I remember telling mom, mom, you know what? I want to work like everyone else. Um, I want to know for people not to be able to say, oh, he doesn't know what, what hard work is. He doesn't know, you know, what, what doing this after having to wake up early or wake or, or working to late hours or whatever. And, and I had my good share, good share of hard work. You know, uh, at one point, if you were coming through the airport here locally in Puerto Rico and you were going through customs, uh, more than likely I would take your bag when you left, you know, the area after you were uh, checked and I would put it in the, in the uh, conveyor belt going to your next trip, you know, and then, um, I did things I experienced about the only thing I didn't do for the airlines was fly the plane or become a uh, flight attendant, everything else, the ramp, FIS, you know, uh, baggage. I did it all. I did it all. And, it, and very interesting, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share this with you. I don't, I don't think I've shared this with uh, a lot of people. We had started 21 and Right in Pittsburgh in 94. And the, 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 the first foundation also, the one that was the regional foundation for Pittsburgh. And at the time, I was already working with the airline, American Airlines. There were people there that thought I was an undercover agent. It's like, why would Clemente Son be working here, Right. And I remember people in, in Espanol had just started. So, so people in Espanol had just started and they, and they interviewed Roberto Jr. They inter you know, the, the, the magazine comes out and my, the co-workers all of a sudden start calling me and say, hey, are you embarrassed of what you do? I say, what are you talking about? I says, yeah, because here this article says that, this is an article about your brother, but, but it says that you're a top executive here in Miami of the airline, I said, what? I was livid. I was furious. I called Roberto. I said, listen, are you embarrassed of what I do? You know? And he said, no, no, no. It was them. I told them, you know, what you did, but they said, no, it, it doesn't sound too good. Let's, you know, let's say he's an executive. I said, you know what? I'm doing things for a reason that people don't understand. And people need to respect that. And I, I, I got to tell you, you know, if you have an issue with that, you know, we have a problem because I am too real, too real not to do what I feel I need to do. And what I'm doing is I'm preparing myself. So when I'm, when I do what I'm doing today, you know, I do it knowing, I do it appreciating people and appreciating the efforts that everyone puts in day in, day out. I had a really nice apartment, no furniture. I slept on an air mat on the floor, on the ground for a year. Um, I had a car here in Puerto Rico. I didn't bring it up to Miami. I left it here in Puerto Rico. I was walking to places. You know, people have no idea, so they could not figure it out. 
Uh, and it's so doing part of that interview that where dad says, I want my sons to suffer. I want my sons to know what hard work is. Well, hey, I did my part. And for those that uh, are not familiar with that interview, that would have been October of 1972 with the late Sam Nover. And definitely for fans and anyone that wants to see that interview on YouTube, please just Google Roberto Clemente, Sam Nover interview. It's powerful stuff, powerful stuff. You know, Luis, we had episode one, a person you're familiar with, and that is Phil Dorsey. And that is not the Phil Dorsey who knew your father, who passed away, I believe in 2002. I know it was October 9th. Uh, I believe it was 2002 when he passed away. But uh, Phil uh, Dorsey, the namesake, who lives in Maryland, and I've known Phil for over 15 years, he talked about your dad being a second father. So here it is, Luis. I, I really thought immediately when you said about that photograph that you were on your dad's right side. So guess what, Luis? You were Clemente's, Roberto Clemente's right-hand man. And that was already, he was already setting the stage that he quite possibly knew. I got Roberto Jr., my oldest. I have Ricky. But the guy that right now, I'm going to now start maybe sending you emojis, Luis, with a serious face. That guy is my right-hand man. That's the guy that I'm seeing something at a very young age. So I want to ask you, Luis, and I'm sure Roberto, excuse me, uh, Luis, I'm sure um, Phil Dorsey would love to hear your thoughts on your recollections, your memories of his father, Phil Dorsey, who was your dad's best friend in Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, obviously, when dad got to Pittsburgh, Phil, they assigned Phil to him to kind of like take care of him and make sure he would, you know, have what he needed and, 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 and kind of like get him adjusted there. And um, that made imagine that that was his friend from the very beginning when he got there when he didn't know much about anything that was going on and i feel that uh he became his brother pretty much you know um he got him the place where he would stay with the garlands and um those became our, our another set of grandparents you know i always say that dad was uh we, we grew up in the united nations because he had friends that were he made family from all different nationalities and but Phil I remember going to Phil's house even afterwards um and and remember you know Phil's daughter Patty Joe and and you know and and being at their place and he always took great you know great care of us and uh memories with Phil were very found you know I I I, I like you know obviously we, we grew up with him being part of it, of, of our family. And he protected us a lot. You know, he would always have us come into the clubhouse, uh, the pirate games, and uh, we wouldn't be hanging out there with the pirates. And, and so we grew up with that true family, you know, um, not, not the ones from the eighties, but from early on and then later on. Um, but certainly with Phil, it was, it was being at home. You know, um, it was being at home with Phil. I remember having conversations, suggestions he gave us. And, you know, we spoke, we spoke a lot. We spoke a lot. I remember when I left the Pirates also uh, back in 80, 87, that I drove to Pittsburgh. And, um, 
you know, certain years after that and whatever happened with him and everything, uh, we, we, we spoke. I mean, I, I had the utmost respect for Phil. I, I believe that um, it was someone who helped that a whole lot. And when I came to find out more about it, I, the more I appreciated it. I saw pictures of him at, at, at the house here in Puerto Rico with that. Um, and, but I honestly, there, there's a time where I, I went blank, you know, there's a time that I, I really disconnected myself from everything to be able to do what I'm doing. Um, so I, 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 you know, I, I do a blank on a lot of stuff for, for quite some time, but Phil was definitely part of the family. He was truly welcome. He knew everyone, my grandparents, my uncles here in Puerto Rico. It was a must to see him whenever we would be in Pittsburgh, whenever we would come for, for vacations or something. It, it was always a must to visit. And, and it brought many, many memories being in the area where dad uh, used to live, you know, close by and, and, and everything always, always brought incredible memories. You know, your dad's activism, Luis, is, um, is well known. Was there one particular incident, Luis, that to this day, when he stated his position, stood firmly and wasn't budging? Something that in all your reading and stories that people have shared with you about your dad's activism, what would you say was that moment in history where you're just so proud, so proud of your father? When he would stood up and, and not accept the fact that he needed to wait for others to eat, for them to be brought the food afterwards, whenever they were done, you know, that, that act of, you know, of, of racism, prejudice, um, he could not put up with any of that. He, the fact that he was not prepped for it, that he spoke his mind, that he knew early on since his very beginnings as a Major League Baseball player, what his mission was, that he certainly would defend every time he would see injustice against anyone. It didn't matter which race, you were white, black, you know, Chinese, it didn't matter. It, he did not tolerate, you know, uh, injustice and racism and, and none of that. So I think the moment that it was a very private moment for me, I found a telegram where he was being granted an opportunity and it was establishing a precedent because no other ball player had been allowed to participate in these type of meetings. And at any given moment, they said that they could, he could be interrupted and that was going to be the last of his uh, uh, participation. Just reading it, you will say, whoa. And then later on, I come to find out that that was a co-founder of Major League Baseball Players Association. And this had to be a telegram attached to the first meeting allowing him in, he was the first player's rep. He represented all players, not Latino players, all Major League Baseball's players. And the, the first meetings took place here in Puerto Rico. So imagine to have that happen, you know, what type of, you know, courage and how, how much you would demand, you know, uh, justice that even that he had happened. And not, not a lot of people know that. That really is an amazing story, Luis, because that just tells you already your father felt very comfortable 
to speak his mind. And um, he wasn't going to turn, turn away from that position. So Luis, 2002, you know, uh, we're almost approaching almost 20 years. Uh, was the first time that I actually met you in Puerto Rico and it was at the opening of an exhibition dedicated to the life and legacy of your father through uh, artifacts, through uh, murals, a video. And uh, that was the first time that I met your mother, not at the museum, but at Sports City. And I, I, I won't share the details of that story, but I always say this because it's actually funny and you have a smile on your face because it's the truth. Um, within maybe two hours in your mother's office, I had gave her a gift. It was an original photograph of um, when your dad's uh, uniform was retired and she was shocked that I gave it to her. It was an actual eight by 10 and I says, no, this is yours. It needs to come back to the family. So within maybe an hour or so, I knew, always, we'll always remember her favorite drink was Sprite. So I remember that's the first drink I actually, she served me. And immediately I'm like, well, I'm not in my side. I'm not, I'm not really a Sprite drinker, but of course it's Mrs. Clemente giving it to me. So, oh man, thank you, my favorite drink. So here it is. She says, Danny, are you hungry? And I said, anybody that knows Danny Torres loves to eat. And uh, I'm like nudging Paul and Paul's like, Mrs. Clemente, I bring a Puerto Rican to the island and I've known you already eight years. And now we're going to your house for the first time. I don't understand that. And she laughed and we get over there and within an hour, she cooks a steak, rice and beans. And I remember while she was preparing it, I said, Mrs. Clemente. And I said, as I always have said, Doña Vera, your son said he's going to take us to eat. And she looked and she smirked. Remember, it's the first time I'm meeting your mother. The first time I met you. And um, she says, what time did he tell you? I said, como las say? About six o'clock. And she said, what time is it now? I said, five o'clock. You don't know my son. If he told you six o'clock, he'll be here at nine. Well, lo and behold, Luis, a mother, a mother knows her son. You arrived at 8.45. She looks at me and she says in Spanish, que yo te dije, what did I tell you? And you were like all natural, like, oh, mom cooked. And we ate, but then we went out afterwards. So Luis, I have that story that I've shared for years. Luis, what is that moment that you could literally say, thank God, I had Doña Vera, Mrs. Vera Cristina Clemente as my mother. Every day, every single day. You know, um, since, since that passed, the way she, she continued immediately to pick up where that left things. And um, you, you have to understand that used to tell her that he knew he was going to die young and that she was a gorgeous woman, that she was gonna redo her life, she was gonna find someone. And mom would tell him, first of all, don't talk about sad things. Second of all, I assure you, I guarantee you, and if that happens, I will never ever look at another man. And that's exactly how it happened. You know, mind you, they only, spent eight years of their lives together. You know, in my case, about 30. It was only eight years of that marriage. And then, so, so imagine after only eight years, how, how huge of a love that had to be, you know, for mom not to ever look at another man. In the hospital, her last days, I said, mom, you know, she couldn't speak. 
at the time, I said, Mom, uh, do me a favor. When you see Dad, remember to tell him you won the bet. You know? Um, Mom was such, I, I had so many laughter with her. I had the best times, you have no idea. The way she was, you know, we could go into a doctor's appointment and then uh, I would go and, and to, to listen to the doctor and see what he was, you know, had to say. And all of a sudden she would excuse herself not to come back into the office. And we're waiting on his, but, but where I said, you know what? I have a clue of what's going on, sure enough. She will be outside in the hallway. Ah, I mean, furious. Why are you taking so long? Do you understand there's a lot of people here in the waiting room? You know, we, you know, we're taking their time. I said, Mom, if I ask you, you, you waited as well. If I ask you, what did the doctor have to say? Do you know? Do you remember? She would not even pay attention because, you know, her concern was she was consuming too much time for those people that were in the waiting room. You know, I mean, that's how incredible she was. And I, t I tell you, and, and I almost get tears because people don't understand, you know, the love for, for the fellow man that she had. Uh, so it was so genuine and so sincere um, that I had an issue with that. I said, Mom, we are matter you know we exist um and we need to occupy some space you know we'll be we will be standing somewhere in the lobby of a hotel or she will be constantly oh move out of the way move out of the way or or whatever so i said mom please i said that will be i don't know i i think it, it, it must be some sort of psychological thing or, or 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 illness or something attached to this but it's not human it's humanly possibly, you know, that you don't want to be so others can be, you know, it's something you have no idea, you know, and then, and then uh, the funniest things I always used to, I mean, I'll tell you that we, we laughed a lot. If, if there would ever be a reality show, people would have just, I mean, you could not script the things that went on, the things that happened. And she always, wanted to tip like the drivers when we were picked up at the airport or, or, or brought to the hotel or whatever. And you would see, <laughs> you would see, I saw, I saw a meme the other day where they have like uh, uh, a grandma kind of like handing money backwards, you know, uh, like, and they said something like when you visit grandma or whatever. And I said, that's mom, you know, she would always have the money in her hand and he, and she would, like, like very nonchalant, you know, kind of like throw her hand back and they start moving it and hitting me with it, you know, so I would take it and I would ignore her totally. Just, just, and I said, well, you started trafficking already, you know, and, and she, <laughs> oh, she used to get so mad. I mean, but I mean, it's amazing. Mom was an incredible person. I would incredible have to person. agree 100%, Luis. You know, Luis, since 1973, when the award was renamed the Roberto Clemente Award, there has been some memorable recipients who have received this prestigious award. Can you share with our listeners the actual voting? Because on December 7th, they will be announcing who this year's recipient of the award will be. So can you put us in the shoes of a family member and the committee itself 
how that process goes, receiving the names of the team candidates to the announcement of the actual winner. And secondly, Luis, is there a particular recipient from previous uh, award ceremonies that sticks out to Luis Clemente to this day? So the process and a particular winner. It is a very thorough process. It's not um, an easy task for a player to be nominated. First of all, we don't nominate them. You know, the team chooses their nominee based on the work they've done, you know, throughout the season. And that's first step. I remember always uh, uh, Jorge Posada's mother, you know, kind of like giving me grief because she says, do you know how much Jorjito does and this and there? And I said, I do. I do. But, the, you know, the process is the team has to nominate him. And then he goes into the next step, which is there's 30 nominees. Each team nominates a player. And then mom used to be, okay, so it was mom, the commissioner. If there was a, a sponsor for the award, then the CEO of the company uh, would also be another vote. You have the writers. And um, so, you know, mom would receive the binder with all the write-ups of each individual player with their picture, you know, and, 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 you know, team, and then what he did. Um, and I remember mom would say, Luis, please help me. I said, mm -mm, that's all you, that's all you. So she would go through it and she would get yellow stickies and she would write notes and she would stick those to the pages, you know? And, and she, it, it was a, it was a like a very serious ordeal. You know, she would really focus on how much not only did they did they gave, but what was their involvement in doing so. You know, it was very important for her to see not just money being donated to a cause, but their engagement in in the you know in the goodwill. So after all of that is done, you know, she has to submit the both, you know who she shows first, second, and third place. That is being compared amongst all of the voters. And then that's when um, the announcement is made. Such and such, if there's a tie or whatever, then you have to see how many were, were totally nominated. And then, so it, 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 it started uh, evolving where now the fans also have a vote, but the total, of that, uh, of the fans' vote becomes one vote that then is also added to the rest. This year, after Mom's passing, um, uh, the three brothers, for the first time ever, all three of us voted as well. So, yeah. So um, uh, that was that was a nice touch, you know, when we were asking, so how, you know, logistics uh, from this point on, and they said, hey, it would be great if all three of you vote. I said, wow, we're not expecting that. So that was very nice. Um, so anyone in particular now, that's memorable, Luis? Anyone that's memorable? I got to tell you, Danny, they're, all of them. All of them. They tell us, you know, I remember uh, Kurt Schilling. I remember um, uh, David Moyer. I remember, I mean, all of them, you know, they say obviously Delgado, you know, Edgar, Beltran, 
the Latinos, which have, which are not that many that have won it, you know, uh, Papi, you know, all of those. But they always say, you know, how usually not even just the players, because the player can tell you, but when the wives and the parents approach you and say, you have no idea what this means for my son. All right. And the wife says he was not able to sleep last night. That's that's how, you know, that that's how, you know, emotional about it he is. You know, he 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 truly, truly um says this is the, the, the best thing ever that could have happened to him. I always do one thing. After we do the, the press conference and we're in the, on the on-field presentation, we go up to the suites, and I see that they're out there, you know, watching the game from there for a little bit, and then they come back in and they, they watch it on TV inside the suite. And they always say, so, so how, you know, how is it? How, what do you feel about the, this view? And they say, well, Uh, it's kind of weird. That says, okay, so never forget, never forget. This is the perspective of many fans, you know, from the distance of what the game is. And they come and pay to watch you guys play. That's why that was always so appreciative of the fans that when the 1960 World Series ended, he felt with, you know, among celebrating with the fans. You know, and and there was a there was a a, a a particular play where someone hit like a grand slam, uh, and and it was they, they were winning the game, and and so there were people that were upset and mad at it because uh, at him because they said if you were winning, you know that was not right. You know, there's like like an etiquette and whatnot. Well, oh, Fernando Victor, Fernando Tatis Jr. Fernando Tatis Jr. San Diego. When Vic, you know, Victor Rivera, my buddy, of course, my best our buddy, friend, our buddy. You know, and, and, and right hand as well, everything, you know, he said, listen, there was a play in Chicago where your father ran into the wall and they were losing. So there was no point in, in doing that because the game was going to end. There was only what, two more outs or whatever. And he, he scraped himself or he cut himself Uh, in Chicago against the wall. And when he was asked, Roberto, how come that was not necessary? His answer was, you know what? Within the fans, I don't know who was at the game that will never probably have another opportunity to watch me play. So that's why I always give 100% for those that probably cannot afford to come back again. But at least when they saw me, I gave them all I had to give. And that's why, and that's why he's called the great one, man. That's why he was called the great one. You know, Luis, I want people to hear some great news, and that great news is the relaunch of the Roberto Clemente Foundation. And certainly, I was privileged to be at a few of your events and to see uh, the impact that you've had throughout the United States, literally, and not even just the United States, Luis, there and uh, on in Puerto Rico, but certainly the foundation itself, Luis. And um, I'd like uh, for our listeners to really hold on to these words I'm about to say, which is your mission statement, which is to build nations of good. So Luis, if you could share with, once again, the listeners and who I'm sure are enjoying this conversation on Talking 21, uh, building nations of good, please, how did that come to be? 
what your plans are for 2021 for the Roberto Clemente Foundation. Remember the story I told you when I was crying and I went and, and went upstairs and wrote the whole plan for the tour and whatnot. Those words were the words were given to me, and I thought it was kind of like kind of like uh, raw, raw, you know, building nations of good. But I said, and I got a question, and that's our motto, that's our mission, and that what it means is. Everywhere we go, we want to impact youngsters and everyone, but in particular youngsters, to activate the humanitarian side at a young age and to become, the concept is everywhere we go, we want to have an extension uh, of our foundation. And so far, 2019 was, I mean, immensely uh, uh, positive for us because the places we went to, we left someone as a representative for our foundation. And the concept is, for instance, we visited different Clemente schools and we want at times of, let's say, natural disasters for those students to go out in the community and for the schools to convert into aid collection centers, the students will go out in the community and, and uh, help collect the necessary aid to be sent out. Um, and, and basically have them become ambassadors of their communities, global ambassadors and everywhere. And then if you do, if you do good in your community, it has a, a trickle effect. And, and also you impact other people and, and also inspire them to do the good work that our father taught us, you know? And that's what, what it's all about. We're, we're creating nations of good everywhere we go. And it's been very, very positive so far. We're looking forward to year 2021, 2022, which is the 50th anniversary. And then afterwards, there will be also another 50th anniversary celebration of the induction um, at the Hall of Fame and everything. So the next three years are, I mean, very, very key to continue our mission. You know, this year, um, with everything that was happening around the world, uh, Major League Baseball was able to have a truncated season and uh, pull it off. And uh, certainly I had the opportunity to be at PNC Park on September 9th, which interesting enough was my mother's 80th birthday and was the actual date that I told the Talking 21 team that I wanted to launch in Pittsburgh, Talking 21. And I did it right there in front of that bronze statue, which Luis, I don't know if you know this, but that particular day, what are the chances when I just got off the plane within a half hour when I'm making that announcement, this promo video, that your brother was there by the statue? And I'm looking and I'm seeing this guy that's facing the ballpark. And I immediately, don't ask me why, immediately I said, man, that guy looks like Doc Ellis. And when he turns around, it's your brother with a 21 mask. So he was shocked to see me. We, Yeah, I was on the phone with him when he saw it. Yeah. So we had a few words and then within five to 10 minutes, the pirate team is coming out. And I said, Roberto Clemente, your father, he talk about a sign. I said, are you basically giving me the blessings? And I truly believe he did. So I got an opportunity to thank Derek Shelton. I took a picture with Joey Cora and some of his, uh, his players, their coaches, but certainly Luis, that was a unbelievable, extraordinary moment because that was the first time ever since your dad's passing the entire team wore number 21. So Luis, if you can, for our listeners, 
put us now behind the scenes. What was happening leading up to that decision? And certainly, Luis, most importantly, I was sitting in the press box at PNC Park and I saw a video. And I want our listeners to hear how that video came to be and certainly the players wearing 21. I was talking to Roberto Jr. when he told me that uh, Joey had called him because Derek Shelton wanted to speak to him. And when he told me that Derek expressed how important it was for him, for us to know how important our family is for the team, that he wanted to make sure that we knew it came from him that the petition for all of the team to wear number 21 on Clemente Day. When Roberto told me this, immediately I sent out an email to uh, Melanie Legrand stating, from MLB stating, um, Pirates authorized to wear 21 on Clemente Day, like from our side, right? And she's like, oh, so you know, that's great. Yes, we're discussing it, and so we'll let you know. And then the very next day, she says, you know, good news uh, has been approved. Yes, the Pirates are going to wear the 21, so everyone was very excited about it. But we already have submitted also a petition to MLB. So on Clemente Day, you know, we submitted, there was a, the concept was a pass, three patches, right? Uh, with the same image we see as the Clemente Award statue. And we wanted a bronze for all of the teams, a silver for the nominees, the 30 nominees, and then gold for the past recipients that are still playing. Um, at the time, the response that we were talking about face masks that we wanted to give to the players, we were talking about T-shirts and stuff like that. And... At the time, we then we were told that they were doing this. They were going to do this twenty-one patch uh, that everyone was going to wear. I said, "Beautiful, more than happy." Something finally, that's great. You know, we were very happy about it. Um, and then, then I said, "You know," but then save the concept that we sent you for to, to be considered in the following seasons to see how we we can progress into it and whatever. So basically. Everything was fine until the press conference. Press conference with the Pirates came about, oh, it was two different press conferences, one for the Puerto Rican press and then one for the U.S. press. Immediately after, I get a call from Carlos Baiga. And Carlos says, Luis, um, the los muchachos, the guys, meaning the Puerto Rican players, they all want to wear 21. And I said, well, Carlos, um, give me a few minutes. So I called Melanie and I asked Melanie, you know, if the players were to work with Juan, what would be the process? So she said, well, then we have to go through the clubhouses and, you know, to explain the whole thing. And then she said, but I don't think there's enough time. I said, okay. So I called the Players Association. Well, you know, the players want to do this, what they need to do, exactly the same thing. She says, well, they have to go their individual club, you know, clubbies, and the clubbies then will know, you know, the procedure, the procedure of how to request and the whole thing. I said, okay. So at the time I called Carlos back, I said, well, Carlos, this is what it is. He said, yeah, but we're going to need a letter because the clubbies were not, are not going to know. I said, all right. So we did a letter that was signed by 
all three of us, Roberto Jr., Ricky, and I. Here's and then the letter read that, you know, to all Puerto Rican in the mayors, to all Puerto Rican players in the mayors, due to uh, a few of your requests, you know, I've done this, I've consulted, and uh, we're authorizing anyone who wants to wear 21 uh, to do so, but obviously following this procedure. And then I added another paragraph, which was about the video, because here's what happened. I was approached, um, MLB also connected me with the, uh, the Diamondbacks, and um, I was told that they, they wanted me to start this virtual first pitch from Puerto Rico, from here. And it was going to go to other different countries. And I said, so any, any particular ways? No, you can start it from your living room um, and just throw it to your left. And I said, hold on a second. And this is going to go to Dominican Republic, Cuba, Venezuela, all these countries. And you're telling me that I can start it from my living room? Mm-mm. I went to El Morro, all San Juan. You know, and, Power, and I Powerful moment, before. powerful moment to show that El Morro. Yeah, yeah. So, so I said, no, our country has to be represented. So I went to El Morro and did it. My wife was the one recording me. And little did I knew, you know, but at, the, at the time I, I did it, you know, and I said it to them. So cool, that was that. But then it, it hit me, I got inspired. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna call Ricky. And I'm gonna ask Ricky to, to call his son. I'm gonna grab my sons. And I called Roberto Jr. I said, Roberto, I want you to go to PNC Park and bring, you know, RC the third. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna record a video here, and it's gonna be, it's gonna represent our legacy. Okay. And it's like passing this ball will represent. I always have it with me, okay? This ball will represent, uh, let me see if you can see it. It has mom's signature. Oh. I don't know if you can see it. It has mom's signature and then the Roberto Clemente Cup. Which hey, is, uh, the Luis, event what about that, Luis? What about that? Ah, there you go. There you go. Okay, good, good. <laughs> so, so, For you, for you, for you listeners, I have that same baseball. Yeah, this is the ball, the, the, the ball that was done for the first Roberto Clemente Cup that I put together in 2016. And, and basically, um, it has, we, we asked Rollins to put mom's signature on the sweet spot. So that ball represents so much. It's our legacy. It has both of our parents on it. And I did, I went to Guaynabo and did it in a Burrito Guanano just as a test. But then I said, no, we got to do this right. And I called Carmen Yulín, the mayor of San Juan, and asked for her permission to do this at the Bithorn. And I sent her to because I have a letter, sent it out, whatever. She said, yeah, it will be an honor to receive you back at the Bithorn and whatnot. Spoke to Skip Font, Modesto Lacen, connected me with Skip. And two days later, there we were. Mind you, MLB doesn't do anything at the very last minute. It has to be done with a lot of time. Okay. And at that time, I said, well, this is a video we're going to do honoring both of our parents. And I want this to be the opening of every single game. But I have not communicated as of yet. So we went, we recorded. I remember Friday morning, Roberto did his part. 
And then we did ours around, we got to the, to the bathroom around 4 p.m. We did our part. And then I did the voiceover here at home with, a, with a, another microphone that my son has. And um, so, you know, I, 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 the, the whole concept is my concept, pretty much. You know, uh, Skip did an incredible work putting the whole thing together. He added the other images of that. I sent him uh, when we did a, a clinic for 500 kids at the Beethorn. So the overview uh, shots that you see, that's from our clinic. That's, uh, um, that, that drone, that drone shot, Luis, that drone shot above the, above the yeah. stadium. Yes. Yeah. Those are, those are my shots. So basically, uh, we put the whole thing together and I sent him the voiceover. This was like overnight really quick, but what happened when I sent it to the pirates, I, I kind of mixed up because Roberta's part was just a few seconds, you know, was very short. Most of the whole video was done here in Puerto Rico. And we left a tail with the music so we would not be interrupted. So when they at Roberto's part, they would not shock, you know? And um, so the voiceover says, you know, um, we'll never forget you. Uh, we'll always love you. We are your living legacy. They will never drop the ball. So it happens that uh, when you see, it starts with that. Uh, coming, up, up, you know, you see the ocean, you see that's kind of like spirit coming out of the water. When you see the overflight of the, of the B3 and all that, that's his spirit getting to where we are, right? And then is it, is sudden, it amazing, Luis, that he actually played inside that ballpark? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so then um, you see an image of mom. So you, so you see the ball on first base. All of a sudden, next, next uh, frame the ball is no longer there, but then you see an image of mom tossing the ball, you know, up, and the ball's in the air. Next shot is Ricky, so that's when she's passing the legacy to us, okay? Ricky picks up the ball at home plate and passes this to his son on third base, to the, we call Ricky Ricky. And then Ricky sends it to my younger son, Rob, Bobby, Antonio on shortstop. He looks at the ball, he's looking at mom's name, and that's when I say, We'll never forget you. Robbie, my second son, receives it, Roberto Luis in second base. And then once he looks at the name, he smiles and says, You know, we'll always love you. So it's to Luis Jr. in first, and then we are your living legacy. When he when he throws a ball, then you know you see that swinging, whatever, and then I receive it. And when I look at the ball, you know, and then I throw it, I'm throwing it outside of the Beethorn to Roberto Jr. To, to receive it in PNC Park. And I said, I told the Pirates, I want at that moment to have Bob Prince voice going 21, playing right field, Roberto Clemente. And that's when then Roberto Jr. receives the ball. But then one thing that, it, that is missing that was not done, and I, and I, I want us to add it, was when he hands the ball to Jr., to Roberto III, Little Roberto, I wanted to voice over that saying, the more I think about it, I'm convinced God wanted me to play baseball. So that was not included on the video. But on the letter, going back to the letter that we sent all players, um, I, I mentioned the video that we're doing, that we're putting together, and I want all of the teams to be able to use it as the opening 
and then for every every nominee of his team to pick the ball up on first base where where it's left by by little Roberto, you know. So imagine the same day, because literally the Pirates took their time putting together what you know Roberto's part for the rest that was already done, and there was no time. So the day of the game is when around three o'clock I get uh, an email from from Pat Kearney saying, yes, we've seen the video because obviously now uh, Ethan, you know, Orliski sees the letter that we sent to the player saying, hey, what's going on? You know, uh, we, we heard about this and the whole thing. I said, well, from our side, we're saying if that is a procedure then that we are authorizing that we're okay for them to wear the number as long as they follow the procedure. But that was not expected at all. They, that's what happened. He blew out uh, totally out of proportion. All, I get a call from Kuki Carrasco saying, hey, Roberto, you know, I know I'm not Puerto Rican, but I'm, I'm pitching on Wednesday. Um, it would be quite an honor if I can wear number 21. I said, listen, Kuki, you are the most recipient, the most recipient uh, uh, of the award. Yeah, you recent. Know, you just, we just, we just won. Most recent, the most recent, yeah. Um, go, go right ahead and use it. So a little later, he sends me a text message of where MLB actually approved him to do it as well. So nothing. That's what happened. You know, it was so different this this season, this year, because of all that that took place. So um, we we kind of like prompted what you saw happen. Um, and, and I was very happy to see, you know, that video played, um, as the opening, because it would have been something else. It would have been, you know, whatever, but, but I feel that that is a tribute that us as the sons were giving and the grandsons and mind you, there's a granddaughters too. And I said, Oh my God, you know what? I know I'm going to hear it from them because it was such a, a quick thought um, and, and obviously, you know, I feel really bad that we didn't include them, you know, um, but as I said, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to continue. And now we're also keeping mom's legacy alive. So they're going to be very, very, uh, um, present for the rest to come. So, um, 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 you know, it's tough. It's tough to keep, to keep this legacy going, you know, is, is, is really tough. But um, but at least you know I've, I've done all I can to to maintain it. And Luis, I'm glad you did mention the granddaughters because let's be honest, Luis, if you and I know you've always held the matriarch of the family in such high esteem, certainly the next legacy is not just the men, but certainly the women as well. You know, Luis, uh, a topic that uh, we don't talk about in all our years, we really don't necessarily talk about it. Just kind of let it play out. And that is, at this very moment, Luis Roberto Clemente, do you, can you envision finally Major League Baseball retiring 21 in the foreseeable future? That's always has been a subject where that has been very controversial. Mom's position was, for her, it had more meaning that the fans were the ones pushing for it. You know, because of the love that dad had for the fans, he felt it was the fans doing, you know, back, uh, paying, you know, respect and, and, and it's a 
favor, you know, paying the favor back. Um, the family had always been kind of like silent on it. And I know that I would agree. I would it. agree. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You know, we've been silent. We've let, we've let it play it out, but I feel it's, it's time for us to be involved, you know, after mom's passing and everything else, I think um, there are ways that it can happen where it will, it would enhance, I think, the, the prestige because for, for the reasons that is the right reasons to do it, you know, but is that doing it just to do it, you know, okay. So, okay. So now the numbers retired and boom, what, what next, you know, it has to be a meaning to it. It has to be a way where, where I call it the Miss universe effect where Miss universe pageant, the winner is chosen and she gets to wear a crown for the next year. You know, I think that the player that, that wins the award will have the unique distinction and prestige to wear some distinctive patch or whatever you want to call a cap. Uh, it could be something uh, that identifies him as a, as a recipient of like the previous season and he gets to wear something for the next season, you know? Um, so it's not making it disappear altogether. It's just finding ways, um, you know, many, many different ways. So, so we're, we're having many conversations with MLB, you know, very friendly conversations. Um, I think there's a lot that is gonna, that is gonna happen in the next coming years. Especially, Luis, considering that we got some significant milestones coming up, Luis. I mean, let's be honest. It's almost like even as I'm thinking about it, Luis, if it were to happen, and I say foreseeable future, but if there was a time for it to happen, I would even say this, Luis. I wouldn't. This is me personally speaking. I wouldn't say 2022. I would say 2023, the year, the 50th anniversary that he basically was enshrined posthumously but in that particular year, 2023, that we will also, as Major League Baseball, the family of Major League Baseball, to retire Roberto Clemente's number. That's Danny Torres speaking on a, a personal note. I just, I kind of almost, you know, almost using the 50th with 2022, that is it's the untimely death of your dad, a tragic death of your dad, understandably so. But if it was to retire it, 2023, this that's me personally speaking, gives enough time to continue to implement even your suggestions. Maybe it's a slow implementation. 2022, it is like you said, using your idea, a la the, uh, you know, the, the pageants of having someone wear 21 for the entire year, the previous recipient, something along those lines that again, you're listening to the family and granting their wish in this. And again, taking baby steps to where finally, yes, Luis, it's gonna happen. You know, Luis, I wanted to, follow up as we start to wrap things up. Um, you know, rather interesting that we had the previous guest, Robert Miller, and my connection with Robert Miller, I have never met him personally. I know he was at the funeral, but Paul Kutch had said to me at the funeral past November, hey, there's Robert Miller. That's like saying, hey, Danny, there goes John Davis. And I'm like, okay, who's Robert Miller? Well, interesting enough, Carol Bass had spoke to Robert and said, 
you need to speak to Danny Torres. He has this podcast and I think he would find your story with Clemente rather interesting. So I thought, why not have someone that your dad proudly connected with? And that is Luis. And he mentioned it in that Sam Nover interview, The Common Man. So here it is, Luis. 30 years ago, if I were to say you wanted to be amongst the common people, not the son of Roberto and Doña Vera, but simply Roberto Clemente. Um, I was getting, well, I could say Walker, but um, Luis Roberto Clemente. But you wanted to just be Luis, an average Joe. And I really want to kind of hear how we, we kind of heard that, but how do you feel that almost put you into the mindset of your father to say, you know what? I need my sons to really realize what is it to quote unquote suffer, to understand that concept that we're not bigger than someone else, but we are amongst the common man, the minority people. So Luis, put me now and, and our listeners into that where Luis, you understood, I have to do this. Well, um, like I said, that, that interview stuck with me all throughout my childhood. And then when I grew up, I, it came to the point where I said, you know what, I, I, I know what I need to do to, to be able to cope with, with the feeling I have, you know, and that is I, I, I did not identify myself with the name in, in such a way where I could be driving. And, and I will see a Roberto Clemente Avenue sign. To me, it was the same as Franklin Delano Roosevelt Avenue. You know, I did not relate to it. Um, and it was not in a negative way. It was just in a, in, a, in a, it was a process. It was a healing process for me to be able to do what I'm doing today. And, um, and I got to tell you, the experiences that I, that I had, I remember at the airport, uh, some friend of mine was driving a tractor. I was, I was, um, and I used to love to work on the belly of the planes, you know, stacking bags and stuff. That was my workout. But then what people don't know is on the other hand, I had my phone and I was already starting doing the 21 and right, you know, uh, uh, business side of things as well. But I'm, I'm, man, I was, I was in good shape. Man. <laughs> uh, sweating. Louis, like, Louis, like, oh. Louis, you're still, you're still in good shape. Come on, Louis, you're still in good shape. I'm working. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get back to it. But anyways, um, and I have a good story with, with Barry Bonds when it comes to that. But the thing is, um, this guy comes from Puerto Rico. He brings in this other guy who I don't know who he is and I'm all sweaty, man. I'm just getting out, out of the belly of the plane. And I come down the, the conveyor belt and the guy is a Dominican, uh, uh, co-worker that he works in another area. And so I say, oh, hey, come with us. I, and I stretch my hand, you know, I give him my hand. And he, he kind of like, I don't even know if he actually took my hand or not. His reaction was, yeah, man, nah. is, it, and is, is it true? I said, is what true? That you're Clemente's son? I said, yeah. He says, do you understand what your father represents for all of us? And you're here tossing bags? I said, well, first of all, other than this, you don't know what else I do. And first of all, you don't know why I am here, the reason I'm here. But if this is so bad, what are you doing here? You know? 
So I put him in perspective. Why are you pointing at me when you're here doing the same thing? You know, what gives you the right to judge anyone? It don't matter who, who you are. You know, nobody, absolutely nobody has the right to judge someone else. You know, and to that point, when I speak, I tell the students, I, I tell the youngsters, you know, you have to treat everyone equally. That used to say, I am not asking to be treated better. I am asking to be treated equally, which is a huge difference, okay? And um, great experience with that was at uh, in Cooperstown, I remember sitting like in the, in the dinner where, where the players, the recipients, you know, are, are or inductees are in, in, in a room. And I sat on the table where this gentleman who I didn't know who he was, and it happened to fast forward and it was Eugene Petrosky, Dale Petrosky's father. And I, without just having a casual conversation, I could have just grabbed my phone and, and started, you know, searching my phone, whatever, and totally ignore the person who was to my right. But, I, you know, I started talking to him and I told him, well, you know, on a curious note, I, I probably you don't know that there's an error on my father's plaque. And he says, really, what is that? And I told him the last names are inverted. And in our culture, we utilize both of our of our parents' uh, last names. The, in sur honor the surnames, of our mother. The surnames, yeah. Mm -hmm. The surnames, yeah. Uh, in honor of our mothers, you know, as a prequel to our mothers. This is really so when I explain, you know, the, the the cultural aspect of it, he says, well, I know someone that can help me with that. Uh, then he said, it's my son. And I said, who's that? It's Dale. I said, I know he he's a new president of the Hall of Fame. So from that casual conversation, the plaque was corrected. They were going to destroy the one with the error. They decided to create a whole full program for students that would visit, you know, the Hall of Fame to explain the cultural aspect of it. They brought the plaque to Puerto Rico. Um, we did a four-day uh, tour with it. Uh, we honored Eugene Petrosky, the father of Dale, and Dale as well, for passing on the message to his son. And um, at the very end, Dale says, Luis, I can never thank you enough for, for this experience for my parents, the way they've been treated like royalty and the whole thing. They were given the key of the city of San Juan, Carolina, the whole thing. Um, I don't know if there's ever could be anything I could do, you know, and I just looked and smiled and said, well, you become one of our board members. And he smiled and says, you got me, you know, so you're on our board. So uh, uh, simply uh, that, that act of humbleness to talk to someone who you don't even know who he is, you know, and all, all that happened because of it. So um, that's, that's a message I want to relate to everyone, just, just treat everyone equally. And uh, Luis, uh, one thing that uh, as we wrap things up, there are many people that do not know this, that Luis, you are an accomplished musician. How did that come to be? How did that come to be? From a very young age, you know, dad had a, a Hammond organ. It was like a two deck, double decker uh, and, and had uh, the, the Leslie, uh, uh, like the speaker that, that turns, right? The spins. And he had the pedals as well. So my grandma, dad's mother, would, you know, she's back, she was Baptist. So she would sing me, you know, uh, different songs for church. And I started following and doing the melody. I learned as, as, as much as you go to your left, you know, that, that the keys repeat. 
but as, as you go to the left, it sounds, you know, more, uh, uh, how should you say, um, deeper, like bass, you have more bass to it, and to the right is more brilliant, right? So I learned that really quick, and I started doing a play by ear. So all my life, I did play by ear still. You know, I never studied, uh, I compose, I do, I mean, forget it. Uh, but I, I, music is my passion. There's a project right now as we speak. I'm just waiting the proposal. And in, in 2000, what was it, six, the All-Star Game in Pittsburgh, uh, we did a tribute. I, we, I co-produced a concert um, in Pittsburgh dedicated to that. And we dedicated the song. I sang the first verse of uh, uh, the Beatles song, uh, Let It Be. Uh, where instead of Mother Mary comes to me, Mother Vera comes to me. And we had mom standing on stage with uh, And we had a whole video, a whole production with it. I mean, incredible. Luis, you still Luis, you still have some pipes that you could sing that uh, lyric to us? You still have some pipes to sing for us? Oh, man, I don't know I, right now, <laughs> but uh, it's something like uh, For your return, for your return. Oh, there we go. Go ahead. Oh, it says, when I... Uh, when I find when I find myself in timeless trouble, Mother Vera comes to me, speaking words, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. And then you know you have Mike Mills, REM. You have you know other other great singers there. Then there's me, you know, singing that piece. But we had Mom right there at that moment. There's a picture of it. I mean, and and the whole thing was recorded. It was awesome. Awesome. I don't know, man. I'm telling you, I've been blessed with many talents, and and that's why I say there's there's many things I could do, I could dedicate myself to, and um, but in anything we're doing is helping helping others, helping you know uh, new generations to understand what is their fundamental legacy, how we will continue to live on, and how now uh, it will be something where where you know they can become a part of, you know, with mom's passing. We're making sure that we forever honor her as well, the same way we honor dad. Um, but at the same time, we want to be able to do things, or like I said, my way as well. And I think uh, really quick in Milwaukee, we were given the clinic. Uh, a boy was bullied. The way I, I took immediate action on it later that evening, I'm talking to a couple uh, at the hotel, and the guy knows you know, of that. The wife doesn't. And the words he told me had an impact that will stay with me forever. And I understood what he said. He says, I'm going to tell you this once. I know you're going to understand what I'm saying, but I think you're humble. You're way too humble to really um, accept it. But he says, for the work you're doing, as I showed them, there was a video of what happened. When they saw it, you know, they were in tears. He says, listen, and I had said, I'm so tired. I'm not going to say any, any word. I'm not going to speak to anyone else all night. And then I was approaching uh, uh, a stool to sit. And, and is anyone sitting here? No. And then all of a sudden the guy says, how great was your day today? I said, oh, my God. How, you know, why do you ask me that? And then I explained it and showed. And he says, for the work you're doing, and because of social media and everything else, he says, the work that you're doing is going to be so much bigger than your dad's. And 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 he looked at me and says, you know what I mean? You know, I said, wow, wow. And and I have I have different messengers that have come to me at different times 
you know, and one was here in Puerto Rico. He says, listen, I, I always see you. I was, there was, I was a regular in one of the places that I like to go to. And he says, listen, you know, every, I, I've been watching you all these years. And every time you come here, no one has a negative thing to say about you. You shake hands with everyone and whatnot. But every time I listen to you, you're talking about your dad. Every single time. He says, I'm sorry to tell you what I'm not about to tell you. But you know what? He says, your father died a long time ago. Your father's dead. Are you living your life? And I hug him. I said, you're a messenger. I know where this is coming from. I know who's sending you to give me that message. You know, so that's why I tell you, it's, it's been tough. There's been many tough moments and everything. And, and, and I felt, I, I never give up. You know, but sometimes I, I feel, wow, you know, there's nothing that is going to let me down or gonna, it's going to derail me from the mission of what I chose, not because it's my obligation, but because of what I have chosen to be my life, to be my family's, my family's wife's son's life, you know, um, not because I'm the son of and, um, and, and, and people are going to come to see that. I remember Roberto Giro telling me, Luis, why don't you use Roberto? You're Luis Roberto, you know? And I said, yeah, but my first name is Luis. It's not Roberto. It's my second name. So people are going to know me by Luis, and they're going to understand my, my capabilities as Luis. Because, you know, definitely I am Roberto's son as well, but, I, but my first name is Luis. So um, nothing. That's that's what I've done. And Luis, as we start to wrap things up, an amazing, amazing conversation, Luis. But I want to pay also my respect to not your right hand man, but your right hand woman. And that is your lovely wife, Olga. So, Luis, what can you say for the Talking 21 listeners who have heard everything about your father? I've had every, I've heard everything about your mother, your children. What could we say about your lovely wife? Well, you know, she, she also deserves an award. I think that, uh, that, uh, having gone through so much and continue to stand by me, um, it's, it's been all the traveling, all the, all the, the, you know, nonsense that happens um and she'll be there you know she's she's tough she's a tough woman and, and i sometimes i think i i go with her and say you know what i think you're a, a direct line descendant from from Joan of Arc. you know uh it's just all about the women power as well and 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 you know i remember um being in in, in saint augustine with mom, you know, the last Christmas we had with her at a friend, one of our friends from the Ghost Players from Iowa, uh, for the Field of Dreams um, program that we, we were running alongside with them, that we went to a part of his house that I said, hey, um, is it okay for my wife to come in? Because it was his man cave, which was outside of the house. Oh, my God, man. Oh my gosh, he says, what? This is what? You have never heard of that concept. It's just a man. We were, I mean, yesterday even we were talking about that. And she said, 
what do you mean a man cave? That's that's so uh, uh, you know macho. That's so you know prejudice and and you know there, that there shouldn't be you know a man's cave. Why 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 does it have to be a separate place for the man? No 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 no. You know, but my wife has been amazing, incredible. Um, we have our laughters. We had our, our we shed our tears. Um, but um, she's right here. You know, she's 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 a go getter. She. She's not, you know, imagine she's so proud that uh, she never accepted to be Mrs. Clemente. She's always, she's always kept her last name honoring her father as well. Yeah, you yeah, know, which, I, I, which I've noticed that, which I've noticed that. And interesting, Luis, your, your mom didn't sign up for that either when you think about it in 1964. She knew he was a baseball player, but not knowing what came with the package and certainly your wife certainly didn't know that as well. Knew that you were the, the, the middle son, but as they say, what comes with the territory. Exactly, exactly. So no, yeah, I mean, many, many things, and with, that, with the years, he would tell me things or how to feel about certain moments uh, where, there were, uh, um, where there were events that all of a sudden they have them separately, you know, and, and coping with all that is like, um, you know, it, it was, and we didn't, we didn't realize um, that uh, the impact that that would have, you know, the negative impact that that would have on them. And, and later, it was so natural for us to be the ones who had to sit in front and have to do whatever. But then later, when I heard it from her, I, I came to realize, wow, wait a second. You know, yeah, that's not right. You know, that's not right. We've been doing it all, all of our lives. So all of a sudden we need to understand that now we're not alone, you know, and uh, many, many, many different instances. But, you know, here she is, you know, 30 years later. God she bless her, Luis. Her. God bless her. God bless her. God bless you, Luis uh, Roberto Clemente. And I can't thank you enough for being a part of the Talking 21 podcast, episode eight. But Luis, thank you so very much. Absolutely. And thanks everyone for, you know, the fans for keeping that legacy alive as well. You know, it's something that we always appreciate. What an honor to have the middle son of the great one appear on our podcast. I'm sure our listeners really enjoyed this particular conversation. This pod was special and it was a lot of fun. And I want to share with our listeners once again, their official website is www.robertoclementefoundation.com. Until our next episode, many thanks for listening and please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Talking21Podcast for all the latest information about our episode drops. If you are enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And a special mil gracias, thank you to our executive producer, Ras Guevara, and our co-producer, Senor Basil. Tune in next time for our continued conversation about the great one. And as always, this is your host, Danny Torres. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at DannyT21.